Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My topic today is multi-factor authentication with an outlook for 2020. It's my privilege to be speaking with Corey Nockreiner, Chief Technology Officer, and Mark LaLiberty, Senior Security Analyst, both with WatchGuard Technologies. Corey, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it's definitely a pleasure. So tell me about your latest research and what that tells you about the current vulnerabilities and how organizations are authenticating their users. Yeah, so one of the things we track uh, every quarter and really every day are the top malware threats that we see out there. Uh, and we've been seeing a lot of malware threats targeting authentication specifically. Uh, there's a really popular tool that was originally developed for researchers, but as with most research tools, the bad guys take it over and start using it for their malicious stuff too, uh, called Mimikatz that's really been in the top 10 or number one for the past like two and a half years. Mimikatz does a great job of stealing passwords, stealing hashes, and basically allowing attackers to then go after authentication instead of more sophisticated uh, cyber attacks. And even on top of that, uh, we've seen just breach after breach after breach of usernames and passwords available on the dark web. Like I remember when we got our hands on a database of like one and a half billion passwords. Yeah, and we, we thought that was big. We thought that was big and now we're up to like three and a half billion and just the stuff we've acquired for free. So you can imagine the, the troves of data that motivated attackers out there have that aren't afraid to spend a couple of bucks too to get a hold of them. And really it's this combination of malware that attacks authentication and then just the deluge of credentials out there available for attackers that allow them to go after authentication for uh, against organizations that aren't using things like MFA to secure their services. Yeah, and this is Corey, by the way. And another thing that's a common kind of theme of our report is besides all the technical data available, lead credentials and stuff that allow attackers to break in, we're seeing like when we look at the top trends, besides Mimikatz being the top malware, they're all authentication-based attacks. For instance, our intrusion prevention system detects a lot of web attacks. One of the most common is just an old kind of, uh, you might call it a directory traversal vulnerability or, or uh, essentially people trying to get in other directories on your server specifically to, to steal uh, something called the Etsy password D file, which is the, the password file of a server. And then in a lot of the research we've been doing uh, along attacks that have happened, like to some managed service providers out there, in most cases, a stolen or leaked credential is, is one of the first steps to actually breach the network. You know, Nerds like us talk a lot about neat technical attacks, zero-day exploits, just these brand new vulnerabilities no one knows about that sophisticated actors use. In most attacks, that stuff isn't even being considered. It's just your credential that ends up being the weakest link into a network. And this is backed up by other people's research too, like the latest Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report, for example, found 70% of hacking-related breaches leveraged stolen or weak credentials in this year. So, Mark, Corey, let's talk about multi-factor. What do you find to be some of the drawbacks to some of the common methods being used today? 
So yeah, that's a, this is Corey again. That's a two-part question, Tom, in my uh, opinion, because there are some business drawbacks to why customer or users out there still don't have it. Uh, but there's also some technical drawbacks, which I'll get into, that not all MFA is created equal and has the same protections. So first, let's just get into the drawback. Multi-factor authentication, and for your audience, if they don't know, it's combining different factors. The three different factors are, are something you know, like a password, uh, something you have, like a hardware device or a certificate, or something you are, which is a, a biometric. And by combining two or more of those things, you make sure that if one factor gets lost, stolen, compromised, hacked, whatever, you have other factors that are required before a bad guy can break in. So multi-factor is not new, so you might be wondering why there is an authentication problem today. Well, the drawback to old school multi-factor authentication is it was very complex and costly. You know, big banks and large enterprises had it because they could afford it, but they would have to buy and deploy hardware tokens for every single employee at the bank. They would have to put up internal servers and do a lot of complex configuration to get everything working properly so that they could give their user a multi-factor experience at all. But then on top of that, it added user friction to the, the user. Even when they could afford the, the cost and complexity, it's still like something like having to bring out a hardware token that you have to remember every day and then typing in a code every time you want to log in. That adds friction to the employees that, you know, some of them don't want to do it. So some people just won't adopt it unless you force it upon them. So those are some of kind of the, the business drawbacks and, and the, the usage drawbacks to multi-factor. I will say another kind of technical drawback I, I want to point out is not all multi-factor is created equal in that there's a lot of multi-factor uh, methodologies we use today. Like, for instance, one of the easiest is to send a text message. You know, you sign up to a site, you turn on two-factor authentication, and you get this text message with the code every time. There's some types of multi-factor that, like that specific type, that have vulnerabilities of their own. Uh, there's malware now on phones that can intercept that text message, and then a person can bypass your multi-factor too. And there's other types of multi-factor that might not encrypt all the communications or might do things in different ways. So the, uh, the old business drawback was really the ease of implementing it and the cost. And nowadays, you also have to consider whether or not you have strong multi-factor, uh, not necessarily the, the cheapest and, and, and easiest to implement. So talk to me about how multi-factor actually can be easier and less expensive to deploy today. This is Corey again, and I, I think I can cover that because it's related. I think two things have happened that have really brought multi-factor from this enterprise big company only thing to something that even the smallest company can do. The first is, you know, one of the common tokens used to be hardware tokens that you'd have to deploy and buy and take care of. Now smartphones have become ubiquitous. Every single one of us has a smartphone in our pocket. And besides being able to use text-based multi-factor, which is not necessarily the most secure, these smartphones can have apps on them. And these apps can do secure multi-factor uh, communications using encryption. So now every employee you have, whether you give them a phone as part of business or they bring in a phone, they have a device that can get a secure uh, you know, kind of communication path to get a second factor of authentication.
you can put what they call a seed, which is kind of like a, a, a soft token uh, on the phone, and now their phone just becomes this thing that they can use as that second factor, much less costly. The other thing is because of cloud and because of managed services, the complexity of having to set up servers, servers in your own infrastructure, make sure they integrate with whatever authentication method you're using, has kind of gone away because they have cloud-based management solutions for multi-factor. Now you can just kind of tie your, your Active Directory or LDAP server or whatever identity provider you use, point it to cloud infrastructure where a multi-factor vendor kind of hosts all that for you. So you no longer need expensive hardware, you no longer need expensive setup time, and you have a device that most of your employees have. So that's one of the things that's taken away the expense. Now let's talk about the friction. One of the issues carrying a token, remembering it, a hardware-based token is a pain in the butt, but we always have our phone. Uh, but there's also new types of ways to do that second factor authentication, like the way you're used to is the what we call a one-time password or OTP, where whether it's over text or something else, your phone gets a digit. So not only do you have to type your password in, but you have to type digits in. That works great if you're using secure methods, but realize that second typing of a digit is friction. It's an extra step users don't want. But now we have things, again, because of mobile phones, like push-based authentication, where your phone literally just gets a no notification banner. When you log in with your password, it says, hey, Corey, I see you're logging in. I see you're coming from Seattle, Washington at this time. Do you want to approve or deny? So instead of typing anything, you just press approve. And in that scenario, I mentioned you typed a password on your computer, but you don't have to have a password. You can have a biometric on your computer tied to that approved message on your phone. That still qualifies as multi-factor authentication because you're using two factors. So now you have a situation where you look at your computer, you get a little pop-up on your phone and you press approve and you're in, potentially not typing anything at all. So while multi-factor kind of has this, this reputation of being friction, uh, adding friction, these new methods can actually be combined in ways that they actually take away friction. And the last thing I might add to that is now a lot of multi-factor solutions tie together with something called a single sign-on portal. So, you know, we need multi-factor for everything. We need it for logging onto our computer. Everyone uses Office 365, so we need to go there. We log on to different websites. We, we log in everywhere with tons of different passwords. It's a pain in the butt. But now you can use multi-factor to get into this single sign-on portal that has little buttons for every single internal and external resource you would use. And once you sign in that one time, you just press a button and it just carries that authentication over everywhere. So there's actually ways uh, combining multi-factor with single sign-on really actually lowers the friction of even normal password-based authentication. And there are, you've already kind of highlighted on some of the security benefits. Like it's really easy for an attacker to go call up T-Mobile and convince the 18-year-old on the other end of that line to port over a phone number to another SIM card, which really pulls off most of the security from SMS-based one-time passwords. It is much more difficult for them to man in the middle a authenticated encrypted session between that app and the uh, uh, MFA server, the cloud yeah. infrastructure, to steal a password out of there. Um, and when it comes to those single sign-on things, our users are awful at picking strong, unique passwords for each individual account. So if you instead have them have one single account that they just need one strong password for and then MFA to tie it all together, it makes it much easier for them to not use that same weak password all over the place too.
And if you interpreted R as just users we know, I would actually say all users, yes. almost all users other than the security focused ones, and all the password leaks we've seen, the most common passwords and the majority of all passwords are extremely weak. So gentlemen, talk to me about WatchGuard. What are you doing to help customers both deploy and administer effective multi-factor? Yeah, so our whole thing at WatchGuard is making these enterprise-grade security tools easy to manage and easy for the users that are digesting them, basically. And so by having our app-based cloud-managed MFA makes it really easy for administrators to both deploy and then still get good visibility into authentication sessions, too. And then, like we've already mentioned a few times, the app-based MFA is so easy for a user to use. You hit a button, that's it. You don't have to go enter in a code. You don't have to find your little hardware key fob off your keychain. It's literally you type in your password or like Corey mentioned, look at your laptop and let uh, some biometric take care of it and then just hit a button on your phone to get that additional security with a whole lot less friction for the user. And to get a little more businessy on you, Tom, uh, Mark mentioned we deliver enterprise-grade security that's widely deployable, but we specifically focus on mid-market and small to medium businesses. And the reason our stuff is really easy to use is we realize that a lot of the customers, especially in the small and mid-business versus the mid-market, they barely have enough IT resources, let alone a security expert. So we, our entire product development is, is focused on that and product management realizes that. So when we make a product easy to use, we're really focusing on people that may not have the time to focus on security all the time. It is truly easy to use. Another business related thing that we think really helps you know, make MFA easier to deploy and administer is that a lot of our SMB customers don't even have their own IT. And what I mean by that is WatchGuard's entirely channel-based and we sell a lot through what's called a managed service provider or managed security service provider. And essentially a lot of small businesses, say you have a business with 20 people and you're focused on making and selling your amazing widget, you really don't want to spend your time worrying about security and IT. It would be so much more beneficial that you could dedicate to your core business and revenue and just outsource the security and IT to a managed service provider. So not only do we make our products easier for end customers that do want to manage it, we actually really focus on our channel and on making products that they can manage for their customers, which is even easier for the end customer because you just find a good managed security provider and they take care of it for you. Well, Corey, Mark, it's been very insightful. I appreciate your time and your, your thoughts today. Thanks for spending time with me. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. Thanks for having us. Again, we've been talking about the multi-factor authentication outlook for 2020. I've been speaking with Corey Nockreiner and Mark LaLiberty, both with WatchGuard Technologies. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.